Hello and welcome to another episode of Fool's Daily. It's still a million degrees, apparently. It is a million degrees. But I can't call this episode Million Degrees Part 2. No. So we'll have to come up with some other title. Yes. Um, we don't have Mr. Batrick with us today. Woohoo! <laughs> you're so mean. Oh, he's a curmudgeon. And <laughs> you're not. I'm a delight. What does your Twitter say? Oh, I'm always remember. angry. Oh, no, that's Skype. That's Skype. Yes. Oh, angry, but I'm not a curmudgeon. <laughs> you are. Barely contained incandescent rage. <laughs> Someone hoovering at your house. I know no, it's that's not you. That's genuinely a tractor just going past. <laughs> Past, past Spooner Mansions. Yeah. Right. So, this will be today's episode, and in reality, it is a day since we recorded yesterday. Uh, um, yes. And there's been some, some people have said some nice things about yesterday's episode. I haven't looked at any of them, that's true. I was going to look on the Book of Face, because you said there was stuff. Yes, no, there, there, some people have said some very nice things. Not about Lee, though, I'm sure. No, but we should give a shout-out. So, drum roll. There you go. We should give a shout-out to the lovely Mark Bedford. He's a person. He is a person who sculpts the Forge Worlds. Yeah. And he came up and spoke to us at Salute and said that he listened. And he has has put on Facebook that that he enjoyed yesterday's episode. So, Mark, shout-out to you. I love your work. Send me free things. <laughs> was that was that your subliminal? Was it? That's subliminal. Mark, your lovely. Send us free stuff, or I'll touch you. Um, and also Michael and Joe from Oathsworn as well. So all the sculptors. Yeah, man, we're like the sculpting muses. Yeah, but the problem is, surely when you're sculpting, you're in the zone, so you're not actually listening to the inane rubbish that we're saying. You're inane. I'm insightful. <laughs> Okay. Well, then this episode should be excellent. Yeah. So, today we are going back to one of our games that we're currently enamoured with. Still? Yeah, still. Which is unusual for us. Yes. Um, Which is Dragon Rampant. Um, (sighs) What was that? That was a dragon. Okay. That was a dragon being rampant. Right, okay. Ah. So, so if we were into Lion Rampant, what would the noise be? See, completely different. And I, ha- I will be into Lion Rampant, because I like historical games and you're wrong. You should like Lion Rampant, there's no guns in it. I do like Lion Rampant. But I've got Saga, and for me they fill the same niche. Fill the same hole? Yes. Okay. Well, it's the same size of forces and everything, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. No, there is no guess so, there is so. But what happens if you want to do something that isn't a new Saga Warband at the moment? Well, then I get told that I can't play it in an official Saga tournament. <laughs> yeah, but thinking about kind of high medieval or or that kind of thing, that fits nicely. Yeah, Italian I'd Italian have to buy, walls. I'd have to buy new figures. Mm. I have always wanted a, renance, a Renaissance army, though. Yeah, lots of lovely Langenecks and stuff. Yeah. Or um, an English army from Agincourt. Mm-hmm. 
lots of heraldry. Yes. Pain, in the, pain in the butt to paint, but looks gorgeous. Yeah, but some of us are good painters. Yes, that's why I paint things that are sort of brown. Brown wash. You need to borrow at least brown wash. Well, he's got plenty of it because he's not using it anymore. That's right. So anyway, um, we still very much love uh, Dragon Rampant. Mm. Um, so much so that we played just the other day. We did. I let you win. You let me win again. Yeah. You are very kind. I'm a good friend. Um, and we're running a, a little... Here's a little plug. We're running a little Dragon Rampant get-together at Sanctuary. Um, a Fool's, Fool's Daily Entertainment Limited event. Yes. Um, on the 8th of October. Be there. Oh, no, yes, be there or be square. Yeah. So if you're interested in Dragon Rampant and what we're saying, then then come along. Even if you don't bring a, an army along, just come along and hang mm. out and see it, because it is a lot of fun. It is bloody good fun. And you can use any figures that you want. Yeah, and it's only 36 points, so you're probably only talking somewhere between 6 to 8 or 9 units. Yeah, so if I'm looking at my force at the moment, I've got 12, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 35, 36, 37, 38 models. Excellent radio, you counting, I liked it. <laughs> it was good, right? Yeah. I showed that I could count. Mm. I think you had your boy Juan there to do it for you. <laughs> oh, okay, was he just holding up numbers? Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, it's, it's great, and uh, we really like it, but... Some people... Well, no, 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 that, that, you're building it up. So, um, Carl Brown, of uh, Open Combat fame, mm-hmm. Second Thunder, um, he and I had a discussion a little while back now on Twitter about Dragon Rampant, mm. because there is... There is one mechanic in Dragon Rampant that um, Carl and I disagree on. And maybe disagree is too strong a word. We have a different, different views. Opinion, different points of view on it. Yeah. And that is the initiative role. So when, you're, when you activate a unit in Dragon Rampant, you say what you're going to do with it, and then you roll 2d6. So it may be you want to move the unit. So you look and see what type of unit it is. You roll 2d6 to move it, or fight, or whatever. Shoot. And you have to get a certain score. Now, the scores are low. So, I th- you know, moving scores are typically 5 or 6. Yeah. So below, below the average roll on 2d6. However, if you fail that roll, that's the end of your turn. So you could be um, setting up this amazing combo charge, moving around, and then you roll one bad dice roll, and your opponent gets their go, because it Mm -hmm. it switches when you get it. Or you could be like in the game that we played the other day. We played it so that you had to bring your units on. Um, You 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 were player one, you failed your very first roll of the game. Yeah, so nothing moved on the table in my first turn. And so then it was my go. I got one unit on, and then I failed. Mm-hmm. Now, for us, that doesn't affect us at all. Um, I know Carl was worried about how some gamers would see that, because they would see that they're, they're setting up this, this thing of tactical genius, mm-hmm. and then a single dice roll failed. Yeah. And 
I I reached out to Carl and I said to him, the sort in his experience with the sort of gamers that um, would be put off the game system because of that single dice roll, also be put off, say, something like a Frostgrave, because you have you know Frostgrave is effectively a d20 spread. Mm. I don't know if you remember that when Frostgrave came out, a lot of people didn't like the fact that it was a d20 spread and wanted to convert it to use 2d10 to, yeah, give, them two, a, to give them a more predictable curve. Yeah, a, f- a feeling that it's just too scattergun and random and they want that kind of probability bell curve. Yeah. Whereas probability if you look at... bell curve, Jesus, look at me. Yeah, you're very clever. Oh, no, and handsome. Well, let's not go too far. Fourth coffee of the day, that's what's doing it. I see. So you're hyped. Mm. I love the caffeine. <laughs> so I thought that that wouldn't be an interesting, I mean, interesting thing to have a discussion mm. about. Yeah, um, for me, and, you know, we've been gaming a similar time and we've got similar backgrounds, but I may have done or come from a slightly more historical background from you because that was a lot of my gaming during my formative years was more historical and for me the fun of games when i when i tried warmaster for example or when we moved from um, warhammer ancients to hail caesar i enjoy that love to use the term randomness of randomness of commands but that unpredictability that in your turn you may not get to move everything to take out that element of predictability around, oh, I can do this, then this, then this, then this. Um, to me, that kind of thing, without sounding entirely beardy, takes it away from being just a game to slightly more of a simulation because, you know what, life is full of crap that's not in your control and I'd like to have an element of that on the table. Right. Otherwise you tend to, and we talked about it, not on air about if you think to the 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 first couple of turns for Malifaux one point five where you know turn one with Ramos was you do this then you do this then you do this and that's almost a, a scripted um, process yeah um, and I think to a degree games where you know that you're going to be able to activate or move or have the initiative to move everything in the order that you decide it allows for good players and people, you know, the people like Joel and perhaps Craig Matthews and really good players that can put together you're not an activation Craig Matthew, You're not putting Craig Matthews in the really good player bracket, are you? He wins lots, so there must be a reason for that. I think he bribes people. I think he, he takes them into the toilet and does things. <laughs> I mean, with that face, how else can he manage? Um, <laughs> he's got to supplement his income. But... They have that ability to put together a process that will more often than not give them the upper hand. I like the randomness of not knowing how it's... You can have a plan, but I think it was... Was it Von Paulus who said no plan ever survives first contact with the enemy? Or that's a complete butchering of that quote, but... You know, you can have a plan, but as soon as you're engaged, then you have to be adaptable. So that's my views on the matter. Anyone who disagrees is clearly wrong. What about? I mean, I can I can see the the counter argument is that, um, you know, it can be frustrating that you 
do something and then one bad dice roll um, can scupper you. But, you see, I would argue that that's true in pretty much any dice-based game. Any game where there's... An, I mean, it's the same in Faux or in the card-based games. You can flip a card that undoes everything that you, you have planned. You know, a Black Joker comes up when you don't need it and it banjaxes your whole thing. Yeah, and I mean, certainly things like, um, you know, Warhammer Fantasy Battles, back when it was a, still a mass battle game. Mm. Um, you know, that unlucky double six on a leadership test when, you know, you only fail on an 11 or a 12 or something like that mm. can, can completely change everything. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't affect me. But it got me to thinking about other games that have those sort of turnover mechanics. Yeah. Because that's effectively what it is. Now, a lot of the Osprey games um, that you and I like play mm. to the same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that you've got uh, all of the Andrea games, the Ganesha games yeah. stuff, for example. Um, you have a certain amount of... You, you roll a certain amount of dice, and if you get too many failures, then that's the end of your turn. Yeah. Um. And it got me to wondering is whether that's the reason that we like those games, whereas, you know, our friend Pete doesn't like those games because that sort of mechanic is a common thread through the sorts of games that we like. Mm. Is that that there's a chance that one bad roll or something um, will just end your turn. And so you could, if you made a series of bad rolls, you could have no, you could end up with a game where, you know, you don't get to do anything at all. Yeah. While your opponent, because they're rolling better, keep, is doing is better. But then I got me to thinking some more. And I think... You've done a lot of thinking. I have, Well, I have, because I, I found it a very interesting issue. And I thought, the game that personifies if you roll badly, that's the end of your go, is Blood Bowl. Yeah. I mean, the whole game is built around the turnover mechanic. Yeah, I mean, there's even a rule in it now. It may, maybe the rule doesn't exist anymore. It certainly used used to. If you got caught up in the heat of the game and didn't move your turn marker on, your opponent could call you on it. Correct. That was there the last time I played, which is probably a year and a half. Well, it's probably a bit longer than that. But in the latest version, that is still there. So that whole game is predicated around the idea of. Um, being able to have a turnover. Mm. But then it has the mechanic of effectively re-rolls. Yeah. So you can mitigate, to a certain extent, yeah. those um, those bad dice moments. And so it got me thinking, would a, effectively a re-roll mechanic, or what was the other thing? There used to be, in Warhammer tournaments, and especially in the early days... Uh, Jervis Johnson, your mate, had the mechanic of the lucky seven, mm-hmm. where you could you got one time you could just say a dice roll was a seven, right? A two, you know, a two d six roll yeah. was a seven. It got me, to, and that's actually that's actually quite good because obviously with a re roll you could still fail again. Yeah. Whereas with it saying it's a seven, then you're effectively saying I'm auto passing that test. Mm-hmm. And Dragon Rampant has the ideas of auto-passing tests already. Yeah. With general's abilities. Yeah. Um, you know, the... Brutal, where you can yeah, take my, a strength yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. You lose a strength point, but you automatically pass your 
leadership test. Yeah. Um, which can be very useful, you know, towards the end of a game where units are getting beaten down and there's a large modifier on the dice. Yeah. You'd rather yeah, it's like, it's like commissars used to do in, or probably still do in, 40k. You know, you, they shoot somebody and all of a sudden that unit's motivated. Oh, yeah. No, I'd, I'd completely forgotten about that example. Um, so it was got me to thinking about whether the idea of being able to purchase a re-roll or a lucky seven or maybe in a tournament setting outside of a, or, a, you know, not necessarily a tournament setting, but, you know, a campaign setting or whatever mm. it's called, outside of a friendly game in, across the table. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that tournament games and things aren't friendly games. You know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Pick yeah. up games. Non- versus, non-competitive. Yes, pick up games versus event games. Yeah. Whether you've, you know that would make a good me- that would make a good mechanic if you bought um, you know you could spend two army points buying a reroll mm-hmm. um, because there are certain things if you look at later versions of Andrea's rule sets there are certain things that enable you to do that yeah so um, in Gods and Mortals for example you can have um, the soothsayer ability yeah which enables you to pre-roll three D6s, and you can use those D6s whenever you want. Yeah, it's sub those in to replace existing rolled dice. Yeah. So, which can be very useful. Mm, and, definitely. And it can make your gods very powerful. So I was wondering what you thought about whether that was an idea worth experimenting with, or if the randomness and chaos and the fact that, you know, sometimes bad things happen and um, you know you don't get um, your units activating in the order that you want them because we played a game um, that corner deployment one yeah where you just couldn't get anything going at all yeah you know you were failing maybe your first or second dice roll for four or five turns in a row and effectively the game was over and that was like our fastest game we played that in what like half an hour or something yeah so I was wondering what you were thinking what you thought Sola um, I'm not adverse to the idea. I think that's probably the best compromise. Is you know you you make you know you can buy up to three rolls at a point each or something like that. Which, um, but I would make it you know in effect that you're purchasing re rolls as opposed to guaranteed dice, uh, guaranteed results, because um, it just gives you that potential second bite of a cherry at you know the most vital moment and perhaps would alleviate some of that frustration. Um, and I can particularly see that would be more relevant in a, again, a non-pickup setting. So if if there was perhaps more consequences towards the the outcome and the results of the games, whether that's in a campaign or, you know, a traditional Swiss-style um, competitive event. Um, so yeah, to me that seems the best, the, the potentially the best compromise. I think it's something that we'll have to play out. I mean, as I say, I've I've got genuinely no issue, and I seem to have caught the rough edge of that mechanic more than you, um, with my ridiculously appalling dice throwing. Um, but it's it's part of the ethos of that game, I guess. Is it's you know it's it's not. A serious game, or not a game to be taken seriously and competitively, like perhaps um, Warhammer was, and I don't know whether Age of Sigmar still is, but I'm guessing so. Um, 
I, I like that quick flip flop. Yes, you can you can throw a handful of crap dice and you can end up pinned in a corner. But the other thing that it gives, and I guess a reroll wouldn't necessarily break that, is something that we've spoken about before about that the interaction between the two people sitting on the opposite sides of the table. You know, it's things flip flop between you quite quickly. So even you know you're always engaged in the game. I mean, yes, there are opposed dice mechanisms in there, but you're always starting to think of if he fails this what am I going to do if he fails this one and what am I going to do or haha he's failed it again I'm going to smash him which is probably what you think a lot um, but yeah I think I don't, I, think, feel, I don't feel that I feel but, sorry for you is that what it is yeah but no, that's just about my life in general well yeah that's true it's not about gaming I love smashing you off the table and making you cry and have that pouty yeah. face but at a, at a point, a re-roll, if they are re-rolls, um, I think that's probably points-wise about where it needs to be because you can buy your three re-rolls and you're almost into the into the cost of a whole other unit then. Well, that's where I was. Well, I was actually thinking making them two points each. So you're basically trading off a unit mm. for re-rolls. You've got less men on the table because you've made them slightly more reliable. Yeah, possibly. We can give it a go and try it out both ways and see or how. Or you it make affects. it a trait for a unit. You, you know, it's a fantasy trait. Good luck, yeah. or good luck, or something. Yeah. Possibly. Well, I think we just need to try it out. Try them at a point each. Try them at two points each. I think buying them is the way forward, um, because it gives you the option then. You know, buy between one and three re-rolls. Yeah. Um, depending on how lucky you need to feel. So, in your case, you'll be buying all three? Oh, inevitably, yes. And still they'll fail you? Undoubtedly, yes. You need a six, you roll a five, you go, oh, I'll use a re-roll, and then you roll a two. Well, I, I don't begrudge it because I look at life and it's given me brains and looks and charm. So if it's going to mess with yeah, your dice, that's, that's a small your, that's your children. That's not you. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it's still a great system. I mean, it, I, is, it, is, it is so much fun. I'm, I, I love playing it as written, um, but I am open to the idea that others could find that frustrating. Um but I don't know. Get get in touch with us, those that play Dragon Ramp and all those that have played Blood Bowl or similar games, and let us know what you think about that kind of that initiative process where a bad dice means that your plans unravel. Yeah, and if you do play Dragon Ramp, come along, eighth of October. Yes, it's a fiver, which is basically but, to cover the cost of hiring Sanctuary. Yeah, I'll be there. I might wear a thong. I'll be there. I won't be wearing a thong. It would have probably started off as pants, but it'll end up as a thong, won't it? It just winds up, does it? Yeah, bit hungry bum. Gets gets sucked in. Yeah. To the cavernous hole. The Grand Canyon that is my ass crack. So, what are you playing in Dragon Rampant at the moment? Well, I played with the Samurai or the Crimson Horde um, against you most recently, but that sucked. Um, but it has enamoured me to actually want to get on with. The Dark Cohort, which the other reason why we love Dragon Rampant is any figures will do. And it doesn't all have to be 
one army. So, you know, you don't just have to field a, if we like, use the Warhammer vernacular, you know, a chaos army, which is all chaos warriors and marauders. What I'm doing with a dark cohort, which is just a collection of the notional evil races from fantasy. So I've got some chaos warriors. I've got some Skaven. Thank you very much for those. Um, I've got some dark elves. There's some chaos dwarves. Thank you for them as well. Um, and just generally lots of baddies. Yeah. So um, I've, I'm starting to progress those. Nice. That's, that is good. I like, I like them. I like it as a game. Um, I like the way that we've decided to base them up as so they're sort of look semi ranked units. Yeah. Um, but they sort of meander about and stuff. It's yeah. good. It is a brilliant game for using up your figures. I mean, if you do it, there is a very good Facebook group. Yes. It should be, it should be said the Dragon Rampant Facebook group is excellent. Loads of people posting um, for not many battle reports, but lots of people no. posting figures that they built, armies that they built, and yes, you get a lot of people who've repurposed their fantasy battle armies into it, but then you get people who, there was a guy the other day who basically built a whole um, Conan, the, is it Camarian, Sumerian that you pronounce Sumerian, it? yeah. Um, type army, again using um, Warhammer figures, but yeah. based it all, and, and because there's no basing ideas and stuff, you just do what you want. Just do what you want. It's a, it's a real opportunity, even if you kind of want to approach it almost as a modelling project. Yeah. Um, because you can just do what, use whatever you want. There is no basing restrictions. Figures don't have to be ranked. They do just move around as mobs. So yeah, you could. Just you know, put, I've seen people just <clears> put them as. There was a brilliant um, one on the Facebook group um, a couple of weeks ago, using a lot of the Reaper Bones goblins. Yeah, and they were just basically mounted on CDs. Yeah, and you don't have to have remove them either. So you can make dioramas and things, and you're just moving them around the the table. Yeah, yeah, there is there it is, and and I think perhaps that's another reason why some people don't buy into the game because it allows you to think for yourself and not wanting to be entirely disrespectful to idiots that don't like that. Um, use your imagination for Christ's sake. It's a, it's a game. It's well, that, that, fun. actually that's something that I was going to talk about another day. I mean, is the whole prescribed figures versus use them for what you want thing? Because I yeah. do think there are two sets of gamers. One set of gamers who, like you and I, get very excited about being able to just use that cool model in this game, but then I'll be able to use it in that game, in that game, in that game. Yeah. And then there are um, another group of gamers. Idiots. People who disagree with you aren't necessarily idiots. Well, you've just negated your own argument, but carry on. (laughs) Who want to have a much more prescribed, rigid framework that Mm. these models fit here, and that's what they are, and this is what their stat sets are, and yeah, um, and you know, and all the models are very similar and look the same, and you don't get the sort of hodgepodge look. Yeah. Um, and you see it across historicals as well. I mean, you see... No, I was, about, I was just about to put myself in that camp where it comes to some games where it's entirely scenario-based as opposed to having any point system. The Two Fat Lardies games are brilliant games, brilliantly 
written. There's some really innovative mechanics within there. There are another set of rules where there is that potential flip-flopping between um, initiative and turns. But for me, I always found them slightly frustrating in the fact that there was no structure to the building of your forces. So for a pickup game, you kind of had to almost do it by negotiation about what was going to be fair on each side, or you played out a kind of prescribed scenario. It so the biggest, It was the biggest, I mean, the biggest sensible um, con- condemnation of Age of Sigma, wasn't it? Yeah, no points. How do, how do I play a pickup game with my mate? Yeah. Um, and, you know, hence the fact that the big players in that scene created their own point systems and things. And now that there is an official point system, there's the General's Handbook. Yeah. Which hands that out and puts that structure in if you want to play that sort of play. Though, interestingly, talking to Games Workshop staff about the people who go into the stores to play games, yeah. it's very much a 50-50 split yeah. on people who want that rigid structure versus the people who just want to rock up with a load of toys and don't actually care whether mm. their opponent has a million more toys than they do. They just want to push some toys around the table for a little while and then go to the yeah. pub. And I guess that comes back to the... I don't mean to use the competitive mentality as perhaps with negative connotations, but desiring balance so that things are competitive and fair as opposed to massively swinging one way or the other. Yeah, which which is which which sort of I mean we're coming to the end I think, but it sort of brings us full back back full circle in that something like a dragon rampant or a lion rampant, there's only five or six different units. Yeah, you know. My units, you were saying that you're switching from the Crimson Tide to um, the Dark Horde, or Dark Cohort, sorry. Yeah. But, but, I mean, but it is ridiculous. Are, your units yeah. are exactly the same. Absolutely. It is, it is a ridiculous thing because, you know, the Dark Cohort's units will be exactly the same stats as the Samurai, but I guess it's that same mentality that when you keep throwing a crap set of dice, then you throw them away and you get a new set of dice. Yeah. It's it is that weird gamer superstition. It is. It is very odd. So, I think that'll do for today. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. We've waited on for a little bit. Yeah. I quite like you being on holiday. It's good. We can do it again tomorrow. Well, I've got the kids pick up the kids tonight, so it'll have to be nighttime recording. Ah, <sighs> bloody kids. And then I'm over at you on Saturday, on Friday anyway. Yes. What are we doing on Friday? We're teaching someone else Dragon Rampant. <laughs> <laughs> and getting our daughters to go off and hunt Pokemons or something. Yes. I'm not buying the boy a drum kit here. Well, you haven't got any money. Well, exactly. Or I'm not stealing the boy a drum kit for him. <laughs> Alright. Um, until next time. Yes. Let us know what you think for those that think. Yeah, I've just realised we didn't do the proper sign-off yesterday. We didn't. I did wonder... I mainly mainly because I'd completely forgotten that that's what we did. Yeah. When and I wrote the show, when I started writing the show notes yesterday, I wrote them wrong, and you? I had to go back and put the in which bit at the beginning. <laughs> but, I'd blame Lee. It was his fault. It sounds good. Ruined it for everyone. Yeah. And t- anyway, until next time, I've been Mike. I've been Matt. Bye bye. You can contact Fools Daily on Twitter, we're at Fools Underbar Daily, or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com.